Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What's up, guys? What's going on, man? I'm Paul. I'm back, man. This is uh, Christ and Culture, and uh, we have an awesome guest on today, and I'm glad he's here. appreciate you being here, Thomas. His name is Thomas Sieberhagen. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Thomas Sieberhagen. Um, I'm from a little bit all over the place. I was born in South Africa, but I grew up in Asia, and, and now I live in Belgium, where I, I pastor a church in the south of Belgium, but I also help run an art center where we kind of do all kinds of things, uh, art exhibits and, and music nights and even a gospel choir. And, and so uh, it's super fun uh, living there in Europe and, and uh, being able to share the gospel with people, but also... Uh, uh, being able to help people see um, beauty in the world, which is what I'm really passionate about. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about today, the beauty in the world, man, because it's so awesome. Because I was driving through uh, Red Rock Canyon the other day, man, and saw the, the the clouds that was descending upon a mountain behind me. I'd never seen mountains like that before. And so when I saw that, it reminded me of uh, of uh, passage in Exodus. And I was like, man, it's got to be something like the Israelites, you know what I'm saying, what they saw was that this uh, – the, that God was descending on the mountain like cloud. It was so beautiful. It was so amazing. So that's what I want to talk about. But first, I want to know why. Like, like, how did you get into this art and and, and beauty and aesthetics, man? I credit my parents uh, putting a lot of really great art uh, in front of me, even as a kid. I've always had a love of words, and so uh, Shel Silverstein's uh, books of poetry for kids were, were big for me, like A Light in the Attic or Where the Sidewalk Ends. So beautiful and imaginative, and uh, really started my love of of just how beautiful words could be, and then. Uh, that just continued from there to where even um, some early performance, like as an 11 year old, I acted in A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. Oh, wow. And then That's as cool. a 12 year old, I, I was Edmund in uh, Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. So then oh. like having <laughs> being able to help stories come to life, you know, was huge for me. And uh, I really fell in love with theater there and ended up studying theater in university. And so when oh, I wow. actually got to university, one of my professors uh, taught a course on uh, art theory and theater theory. And that's where I kind of discovered there's like a whole world to discover and learn about with aesthetics and how it relates to God. And, uh, you know, now, all these years later, here I am uh, uh, studying for a PhD in uh, uh, the art and aesthetics and the beauty of God. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's like uh, from the very beginning, bro. And I tell you what, dude. Uh, I I I seen the movie. I haven't read the book, but the uh, the 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 movie, um, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. I mean, I guess you kind of look like Edmund, though, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Edmund, uh, yeah. And he had such a yeah, uh, he has a great character too. He you know? is, man. He is. He's such a great character in that movie. I really liked his character. I need to read the books though. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna listen to him, man. Man, and on a whole nother side, I just been thinking yeah, about this now. Is this, your, your your family's been hooking me up with some good books here lately. Uh, your brother's been telling me to read some stuff, and it's it's awesome, dude. So yeah, I know you got oh, you yeah. guys got a, a history of uh, art and, and and beauty. So that's pretty cool, man. So what is it? Because you know, yeah, it's something about beauty, and there's something about art. There's something about just like a good story, and how how what is why is it draws to God? Yeah, we can. I mean, so we can take your experience in, in Red Rock Canyon as kind of uh, an example of this, right? As like what happens when we see something beautiful, right? 
when we see something so beautiful like Red Rock Canyon, it, we're not just like, oh, cool. And then, you know, back to our smartphone or just like, oh, I've looked at it for a second. That's enough for me. Like there's something about something in the sublime, which the sublime is kind of a category of beauty that is just transcendent, right? Something that's so beautiful, it overwhelms us. It, it, it uh, decenters us. And this is a, an idea from um, a, a philosopher called Elaine Scarry. And she says that um, at the moment we see something beautiful, we, go, we undergo a radical decentering, right? We realize that we're not the center of the universe anymore. We, mm-hmm. The thing before me is bigger than I am. It's more beautiful than I, I've been able to imagine previously to this point. And we start to feel things, right? We have a desire to protect it. We have a desire to act on its behalf. You know, beauty is, it's like a call, a call to action or to deliberation or to something more, something beyond ourselves. And that's what's happened. That's when that happens, that's beauty drawing us into thoughts of God and thoughts of the divine, right? Because, Mm. yeah. Beauty stems in the character of God, right? Beauty exists because God is beauty, right? And so when we talk about like feelings of transcendence in beauty, we're using language to talk about this idea that it's beyond our finite human experience. And we're grasping, we're starting to see glimpses of the actual beauty of God in his creation. Something I love is um, a, a Christian artist by the name of Makoto Fujimura. He's a Japanese-American artist that is a brilliant painter. And everyone should go check out his work. But, but he says that God, the artist, communicates to us first before God, the lecturer. Right. Mm-hmm. So even as we're kids, you know, before we can read, God, the artist, is communicating to us in his beauty, in the nature of his creation. Right. And mm-hmm. theologians like to talk about the, God's two books. Right. We all know God's book is the word of God, right? The Bible. But what's God's other book? And what they're talking about is nature, nature, creation. Right. And scripture are God's two books, two ways that he communicates himself to us. And look, theologians have known this for a long time. And I've talked about uh, this concept called the transcendentals, meaning these these qualities or attributes that are found in God. And the three that they traditionally talk about are beauty, truth and goodness. Mm. And they're all meant to work in harmony with one another, right? That if something's true, it can be good and beautiful as well. And if something's good, and often by goodness, they're talking about right and wrong, right? The good is something morally right. Mm -hmm. So if something is morally good, morally right, it can also be beautiful and true at the same time. And if something is truly beautiful, then it's true as well. The danger, right, is when you start to separate those from one another and isolate them. And then you uh, start, the message starts to get muddled and suddenly lies start entering the picture and uh, what's right and wrong gets muddied. Or even if you're trying to communicate the truth, you know, I know this is true, but you do it without any beauty and you do it without any love, right? Which is part of goodness. Then then right nobody that, wanna listen to that, right? communicate effectively nobody's going to listen to it right exactly so uh, what you want uh. what you want is to keep these things united and beauty um there's actually a, a theologian who referred to beauty as the lost transcendental 
uh, in the 20th mm. century, meaning that the church has kind of forgot about beauty these last 150 years. We've kind of forfeited it to uh, to the other parts of culture. Like, all right, you guys deal with beauty, but we're just going to focus on truth and goodness. So there's there's a deep need for the church to kind of reclaim beauty as part of God and something that Christians should be about. Yeah, for sure. So th that's part part of what beauty. So the question was, right, what about beauty draws us to God? If God is beauty, then when we start seeing beauty, we're naturally going to be, yeah. be drawn to him. For sure. Man, you made, you brought up a, a good thing is that it seems like the church has lost its idea of beauty. And there's a whole history of things that uh, I, I've heard of iconography and all these things that people want to take away all the the aesthetics, the beauty, the art out of the church in, in some fashion or form, you know. But how, because the question to me is like, uh, since we recognize that God is beautiful and these things are, are um, a, uh, a way in which others can come to know him because we're naturally drawn to God through beauty, how can we make beauty and art a part of the Christian life? There's some sense in, in which uh, the Protestant church got a little bit afraid because human beings are very good at, at creating idols. And this is just true about <laughs> us, right? You know? Yeah. So, so we see the, and so this is part of the danger in beauty is we see something beautiful and all of a sudden we want to worship that instead of the creator, mm. you know? And mm. this is common in all of pagan religions, right? They see yeah. the sun and it's like, oh, the sun is so great, so beautiful. It gives us all the light. It makes the plants grow. Yeah. We're going to worship the sun. There must be a sun God, right? And it's this fundamental misunderstanding of worshiping the beautiful creation instead of worshiping the creator who is beauty. Mm. And so this, we got a little scared in the Protestant church and seeing that, oh, we're creating all this beautiful art. We think, oh, they're worshiping the art. They're worshiping the images instead of the creator themselves. But I think there is a way in which to uh, create beauty that's deeply appropriate for worship and, and deeply edifying as well. When we see it, even this is something that uh, people don't uh, notice too often, but the very first time the Holy Spirit is given to um, people is uh, in Exodus 31. And the whole, God says that he picks out two artists He's talking to Moses about how they're going to create the tabernacle as a place to worship God. And he says, I, I've picked out two craftsmen, two artists, mm -hmm. and I'm going to give them my Holy Spirit so that they're going to have power to fashion the beauty that's necessary for this place where I'm to be uh, worshipped. So it seems that God cares very deeply about right the beauty that we encounter as ways to us into a worshipful place of worshiping him so oh, it's not a question about um if we do it it's just a question about how to do it appropriately and well in a way that honors god hey man that's beautiful that's awesome because I, I did not know that i do remember reading where it talks about god giving his spirit to the people to build things and grow things or, and to make things so beautiful and i have not that, that's a good point man i have not come across that man but one thing that i do uh, want to ask you is what do you think about just beauty in general, because I know oftentimes uh, the the danger, like you were saying, is that when we start to create things and and make things beautiful or in art, music or whatever, sometimes uh, it seems like we're isolating it from God. I, I talked to a buddy one time and he was like uh, about an artist saying that they're making music, but they aren't explicitly talking about the gospel and the music, though they're a Christian. And so he's like, I can't listen to that no more. 
What do you think about art and beauty and its relation to God without a explicit connection to God? Is a landscape painting Christian? Is a portrait uh, Christian? Uh, I think of uh, the artist Van Gogh and his very uh, famous painting, Starry Night. Do you know that one? Mm -hmm. um, With the little, like the alien looking face? swirling stars. Uh, it's it's like a, a nighttime scene with like swirling stars in the sky of yellow and white against blue. It, it's this gorgeous uh, nighttime scene of, of the, the night's starry sky. Um, and uh, it, is that a, a Christian painting? I mean, what can we what can we say about it? I mean, in a way, right? we have to say, well, our very first piece of theology we ever got was in Genesis 1.1. God created the heavens and the earth, which means any beautiful representation of the heavens and earth are going to be Christian in some sense. What about like a simple portrait, you know, just like a portrait of a mailman or a portrait of an old man, right? Is that Christian, right? Well, if we think of the doctrine of the Omago Dei, that we were created and the image of God. In fact, uh, there's a quote by Van Gogh that I absolutely love. He, Van Gogh wrote to his brother and he said, one of the strongest pieces of evidence for the existence of God is the unutterably moving quality that there can be in the expression of an old man, something precious, something noble that can't be meant for the worms. And Van Gogh's saying is, when, when I look at the expression in a, just a face, just an old man's face, I see something of eternity in him, something that's destined for something greater than just the ground, you yeah. know? And, and he's saying that to me is evidence of the existence of God, right? And what he's noticing is the Imago Dei, that every man and woman that he sees that there is the image of God in that person, right? And so a beautiful, lovingly rendered portrait of a human being, uh, of course, can be understood as deeply Christian. The challenge is that Christians don't often think about those kind of pieces of art in that way. That if it's not an explicit biblical scene or uh, an, an image that they recognize as Christian, then it, they they mentally categorize it as uh, not having to anything to do with God. And uh, that's a little bit of a mistake. As Christians, we need to be able to train ourselves to see the themes of our theology and our belief yeah. in yeah. all kinds of beauty. Because again, as we said, if it's beautiful, if it's truly beautiful, it's going to lead us to God uh, in some way. Man, that's a beautiful word because actually that was a, the next question I was going to ask is is how can we take some of these beauty and this art that we see and and as Christians we recognize it as being deeply Christian like you said and then how do we transfer that to the non-Christian how do we how do we draw the non-Christian into the beauty and the wonder of who God is because of His beauty and wonder He's just so awesome and we want to draw Him in and so how do we do that by looking at the things of this world. Again, we have to learn how to in interpret beauty and art well and how to talk about it well. And we have to be able to learn to see the themes of the greatest story in the art that we encounter. Have you seen the, the movie Nacho Libre? I haven't, man. I haven't. With uh, Jack Black? Yeah, Jack Black. He's a wrestler. wrestler. Oh, man. You've got to add it to. <laughs> got to put it on the queue, yeah, huh? You've got to add it to your to watch list. Classic <laughs> comedy. Yeah. So it's great. So 
But it's I like that example because when people watch that movie on the surface, like it's just a it's just Jack Black doing antics. He's like a funny wrestler, like <laughs> you know, Jack and, Black and being you Jack don't Black. Take much away from it, but Jack Black should be in Jack Black. But if you learn how to start to read these themes of Christianity and on all the art that we see, you start to see like some very deep things on display, even on like a simple comedy like that. For most of the movie, Jack Black, he he's he wants he's a monk but he's trying to wrestle because he loves wrestling but he also wants self-respect and he wants to be rich and he wants to be a great wrestler and he's doing it for himself and so he moonlights as a wrestler and hides his activity from the other monks but he wants fame and respect but he's terrible at it and he's not a good wrestler he gets nowhere and uh, he, he hits a low point where he's praying in church and he has this incredible prayer that's almost like a moment of conversion where he, he, he prays and he says, God, maybe you want me to fight and give everything I win to the little ones who have nothing so that they can have better food and a better life. And he's talking about the orphans that they take care of at the, at the monastery. And so he realizes, maybe you've given me this desire to wrestle God so that I can use it to make the lives of the people around me, the lives that you've given me to care for better. You know, and... Uh, mm. From that moment on, he's, 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 he becomes, he calls himself a wrestling servant of God, right? It's totally changed his motivation. And he does end up winning the final match and wins all the money. And then he gives all the money he earns to the orphans and buys them a bus so he can take them on field trips and buys them good food. And so he, he, he does, he, he uses his passion to yeah. serve others instead of to serve himself. So yeah. to me, that's an incredible gospel theme, an incredible yeah. gospel theme in a movie that if you're just watching with everyone laughing about it and just repeating jokes, what a Christian can also say is, you know, I actually love that that movie on an even deeper level yeah. that goes on <laughs> even beyond the jokes because of what Nacho does in the end. You know, that's what I actually connect with because I think it's what Christ calls all Christians to be like. And that it's ironic that, it, you know, uh, a funny <laughs> fool kind of character that Nacho Libre ends up being a better Christian than most Christians being, you know, and what can we learn from that? And so if we learn how to, to talk about the thing, the, you know, the stories that we love and the, the beauty that we see in those ways, you know, um, then that helps us. I mean, standing before something like Red Rock Canyon as well, uh, I think Christians are almost obligated to respond the way David responds in Psalm 19, right? Psalm 19, where he says, uh, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky mm -hmm. above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. David's saying, looking at the beauty of creation and you can't just help but say, this is because of you, God. What a creator you are. What a beautiful God you are. And to stand before that beauty as a Christian and to remain silent, not to give the glory where it's due to God, I think is is negligent. It's a sin of omission on the Christian's part, you know? <laughs> Me, I, I do a little bit of watching movies and do some reactions and stuff on YouTube. And I also uh, do what's called a Christian perspective on movies, man. And it is powerful whenever you can actually see the themes of God and, and, and the church and, and life in Christ and, and uh, a, a better life through those because that's the greatest story ever told. And it seems like every story that's ever going to happen is always going to be under that umbrella. It's just uh, paying attention to it. It would do well for us 
to pay attention to it as yeah. as Christians, man. And so a question. Yeah. I, yeah. And as Christians, Chris, sorry, just to expand on that, Christians actually have an expanded view, an expanded understanding of beauty because of our belief in, in Jesus Christ. And this is something that the, the world uh, often misses. Every man and woman standing before Red Rock Canyon is going to feel the sublime beauty of what's in front of them. Mm -hmm. But Christians have an even deeper understanding of what is beautiful because of the story of the gospel. I don't know. Uh, if, are you um, are you one of those guys who's a little bit nauseous when they see blood? You know, it like shows that have like surgeries in them and stuff. <laughs> nah, that can ain't me. I, I can handle that, man. I'm cool with that. You're cool, man, dude. I, I can't even watch. I cannot watch those <laughs> scenes. I'm like, insides need to stay inside and the outside can be <laughs> outside, but I don't want to see what's inside. Anything that's like a little too bloody or violent, like heads flying off, I'm like, no thanks. That's that's just not for me. No gore for you. you know? huh? No gore for me, right? But yesterday uh, in church, we sang a uh, a version of nothing nothing but the blood, and in one of the verses, we sang all together, "How beautiful the cleansing flood." What's that? The cleansing flood. What's the metaphor there? We're talking about the blood of Jesus flowing down his body as he hangs nailed to a cross. And we as Christians are all singing how beautiful the cleansing flood. Mm. Any objective standard of beauty is going to look at a man hanging naked on a cross, wounds pouring out blood and say this, this is one of the most ugly things yeah. that we can imagine seeing. In fact, many people include me included have a hard time looking at something like that we we turn our faces away from that site because it's it's so difficult to look at and yet christians throughout history with one voice have said that moment was the most beautiful moment of human history mm -hmm. so what's what's going on there how can we sing how beautiful the cleansing flood is what we're singing you know what are we singing we're singing about the beauty of a story we're, th we're singing about the beauty of a self-sacrificial redemption of all men that's happening in that moment. We're singing about an action, a beautiful action of the creator himself coming down to earth and sacrificing himself for man. And in fact, this is good because we, we talk about how God is beauty, but man, we can't look directly at God. In fact, there's a story also in Exodus, right? Moses is talking to God and, and he says, please show me your glory. And God says, you know, look, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious, show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But God said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Yeah. God's saying, Look, I'm, I am going to reveal to you part of who I am, but you can't, you just can't look at my face. You'll die. My beauty is so intense that you as a finite mortal man will die if you look upon. And this is why God uses, you know, he comes to Moses first to a burning bush or he appears in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. Or when he's talking to Elijah, he appears in a whisper, right? These forms that God, he's being gracious to us, appearing in forms that we can understand. Even then, when Mo the, the glory of the Lord passes by Moses, but he doesn't see God's face, but even then he comes down from the mountain and his 
his face is shining so brightly from just yeah. that encounter with the beauty of God that the people are afraid. Yeah. They're like, put a veil over your face, Moses. We can't look at that. We're scared of you. That's how beautiful and how intense the beauty of God is, right? And in 1 Timothy 6, uh, Paul writes that God dwells in unapproachable yeah, light, that's crazy. right? Uh, <laughs> and so how do we see God, right? How do we see, how do we actually see the beauty of God? Well, we've got this incredible verse in, first, in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Mm. So it's part of what we believe about Christ means that if we want to see the beauty of God on full display, where do we look? We look to Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ. Right? And exactly. The, he is the image of the invisible God. And then Christians affirm. We sing out with one voice. He is beautiful because of what he does for us, how mm. he loves us, with such great love that he laid down his life for us uh, and experienced unimaginable pain and took sin upon himself. Mm. That act moment was such a moment of of deep beauty a moment so beautiful that it changed our very definition of what beauty is mm. he he changed how we thought about beauty right whereas before that yes it was the the beauty of red rock canyon the beauty of the ocean spread out before us but now we see that there's an even deeper beauty one that that interweaves right goodness truth and beauty all together in a single moment and it's the moment to which all christians uh say this is the most important beautiful moment of all human history yeah. it changes the way how we see everything right we can yeah. we suddenly we can start to interpret stories this way and see the beauty in narratives and stories because we see reflections of that moment of redemption and everything around us that's so beautiful and i wonder how that we as christians now can look upon that beauty and see the life of Christ and and how can we express that beauty uh, uh, to the people around us? Because uh, like you said, we can't look at God. Uh, one of my, my, uh, my verses, my favorite verses is uh, in 1 John and it says that no one has ever seen Christ, you know? And it says, but uh, it's when we love one another, we complete the love of Christ. And so I just, I just wonder, is there, to, to use there something about that, that, the way that we as Christians live our lives will display that beauty and that 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 will draw yeah. people to Christ. You know? Yeah. One of the interesting things about beauty is that it makes us want to to create more beauty. It's one of the yeah. fun things about beauty is that when we when we uh, re when we read a great poem, we want to act we we want to try write a poem. Yeah, ourselves. we want to we be want, a poet. <laughs> we listen to a great song. We'll be inspired to create music ourselves, right? Or when we see uh, the beauty in creation, we, we want to try capture. We want to either take a picture of it or paint it. You know, we want to we want to create beauty ourselves when we see beauty. And this is part of the Imago Dei acting. This is part of, we are in the image of God. So because God is creator, we are, this is J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote Lord of the Rings. He said, we're sub-creators, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning that we don't, we don't create brand new things because only God can create out of nothing, but we sub-create, meaning that we are uh, creating an imitation of God's creation and with the materials that he's given us to create. And so one thing that Christians, uh, need to do is cultivate that desire and talent for creating, for subcreating, and for putting beauty out there into the world. Um, and then 
The, the other thing that I think the church can do, right, is be a patron of the arts. Um, this is uh, an historic role of the church, right? Throughout the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, the, the church was a great pa patron of the arts, meaning they funded artists. Mm. They paid for artists to create art. But uh, we've stopped doing this. And I think we uh, should pick it back up again. We should find the people in our congregations and our churches who are artists and find ways to support them, yeah. right? Find ways to help them create beauty and to be inspired to, to create. I think that's a, a role of the church that, that we've um, forgotten recently. What do you feel about the music? I, I did an interview with um, Aaron the other day talking about uh, worship music and and music and and then yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about more of uh, the the music of creating like people making beats you know man because you know I like a little hip hop myself and then uh, especially uh, I like Coldplay man and uh, they had this one song where it's like starts driving and it's like dee, 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 dee. And man it gets me pumped up you know it gets me hyped and so uh, what do you think about that and because I know a lot of people sometimes are turned off by the fact that that uh, maybe there's no lyrics or, or the, the lyrics are, are wrong. What do, you, what do you think about that in aspect of uh, listening to music and the culture and trying to take in um, the beauty that comes from that? Yeah, there's such a deep beauty in music, right? Music is almost you. It's unique among the arts uh, in that um, it's almost beyond how we can describe, right? How is it that that, just like sounds arranged in a certain way can affect us so deeply and emotionally, mm. right? Mm. It's, it's not intelligible language. It's not anything that we see. It's, it's just music, right? And you, we've got these elements like a major key that just to us sounds joyful yeah. or a minor key that just makes us in my, puts us in mind of melancholy, you know? And even, you know, when you're talking about a beat, you know, a slower beat communicates something different than a high BPM, right? And, yeah. and all of these things contribute to our, our, our emotions and how we feel. And, and com the great composers of the past and even today can, can take us on an emotional journey, you know, uh, just with the music. One, one fascinating thing to do, there's, there's people on YouTube who have taken like very famous scenes in, in movies like climaxes and then removed the score right mm. move removed the music that the composer has given to that moment and it's incredible how flat and <laughs> lifeless the climax of these movies are without the music right the music is help is doing so much of the heavy lifting of how we feel in in those moments and and so beautiful and look it music i it's to me it, it's always been a foundational part of the worship of god i mean the 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 biggest book in our bible is the psalms it's just it's just songs yeah. it's song it's songs that we that people have sung for millennia in worship uh of god you know yeah. and i think it is an area where i think christians have done better than in other areas you know I think maybe uh, painting and even filmmaking and uh, some of these other areas, uh, even like novel writing, that kind of thing, that haven't had as much impact in the in the culture. Yeah. But I think music is one way Christians have been able to yeah. uh, grab the attention of 
the wider culture. I think of uh, even something simple, like back in the day, grits, ooh, ah. Um, you, know, you remember that song? Uh, My life be like, ooh, ah. You remember that song? Yeah, yeah. That, that song had... <laughs> <laughs> that song had mainstream play man that song was was getting play on uh all radio stations not just christian radios man that's uh that's that's so that's so insane when you think about that uh here recently it seems like the power and the the uh the presence of music christian music in our culture is like it's being pushed to the main mainstream so much so that you've seen people uh that have joined a christian like uh label and then has moved to the um, moved to the right. the uh, right. uh, yeah normal. So I wonder why is it that it isn't like how how why is it that we can't do that in the other arts? Because I tell you right now, man, you never see any really good Christian Christian uh, movies. I mean, some of them are good, and sometimes it's only that way because, like, oh, it's Christian, but it doesn't transcend the genre just like music. I mean, right. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I look. I think it's coming, right? I think I think the next. I have hope for the next generation. Uh, I think there will be Christian filmmakers who will make a deeper impact, and um, and also sometimes we think of of movies also too too in terms of like uh, blockbusters. You know, something that that uh, yeah. has widespread appeal to everyone. And in fact, throughout history, there have been some incredible movies with deep Christian messages. They just haven't necessarily come from Hollywood and they haven't necessarily been blockbusters. Uh, there's a Danish film that came out in the eighties called Babette's Feast. That is an incredible gospel narrative about a girl who spends her entire lottery winnings to just lavishly love this whole community. And, uh, and there's a movie I recently watched called The Island by a Russian filmmaker, and it's all in Russian. And so it's about a man with a deeply tragic past, but how uh, he, he becomes a monk and the spirit of God uses him to transform the lives of, uh, of everyone around him, despite all the guilt that he's struggling with from, from what he's done in the past. And uh, it's also a very deeply Christian film. Um, uh, it's called The Island. But, uh, but yeah, they're not, you know, they're not playing at the AMC right now, you know, they're, they're just not blockbusters. So I, I think they're out there, but Christians have to be a little diligent to go and look for them. Yeah. Cause it is, it's sad to see that uh, it seems like the movies that do end up being, being pushed to be those uh, great films. Like this is going to be the next great film. They just, um, they aren't, it's like they're not well acted or well directed or anything right. like that. But right. um, I do feel you though. I think that it is coming because I know that there's a, a TV show. I think the chosen that people have been really uh, on. I haven't yeah, seen the it chosen do like it really that. well. Yeah, yeah. But it is, yeah, it's on Netflix, I think now. And it, it's, it's, it's doing pretty well there. And it, and I've heard that it's got a beautiful, um, um, the acting, the directing, and the cinematography. Yeah. The, the production quality is very, very high and, and, the, and the writing is good. Yeah, it's a great example of, um, yeah, telling the story, right, that we all know and love in, in a really good way. And so, yeah, I, I do think, I have hope for the future that, uh, that, that there will be some really great films and art in the future. I mean, look, it, this is also, our, our culture loves good art, good music, good film, good mute, uh, good, uh, um, even art, good comics, good, you know, like just, mm -hmm. just, they just love good storytelling. Right. And so uh, um, I think 
Christians are no different. We're all watching this stuff and we're all loving it. We're all listening to the music. We all love it as well. And so I think we just, as the church, need to be more affirming of like, if you have a talent and a calling to be involved in this and to create, to put beauty out in the world in response to the beauty that you're seeing, we as the church are going to affirm that, right? Yeah. And if, if your calling as a member of the church is to create beauty in the form of art, we want to affirm that because we need that as the body, right? This person yeah. has their role as pastor or preacher. This person has their role as worship leader or discipleship pastor. But if your role for the edification of the church is artist, we want to affirm that and support you in that. Yeah, that's good, man. That's I think that's uh, one thing that we do as a church need to start doing because, like you said, that is an aspect of because uh, we're the the trans- transcendentals. That's what you said. You said the three: there's truth, uh, transcendentals, the, uh, yeah, yeah, transcendentals, yeah, the truth and the uh, the goodness and the beauty. And it's like we push people to do the goodness, you know. Oh yeah, you know how to show people how to do right, and and right. and then the truth, like you know how to teach the truth, right. but we don't we don't push those people on the fact that they can create and make wonderful things uh, uh, after the, the the image of God and how God just does those things as well. Yeah. So that's beautiful stuff, man. Hey, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and talking with me and, and with the, the, the audience being able to listen and hear about the wonder of what it is to create and the, the, the purpose that beauty has in the world and how we can use it to reach the lost because man i know that uh, sometimes they see us as old fuddy duddies man but uh, there is a lot of things that as christians we should just be taking a hold of and holding up man yeah the beauty and the wonder the- yeah thanks man thanks for the opportunity i'm i'm, I'm excited about um yeah the beauty and the art that christians are going to create in the future and, and the beauty and the art that's already being created around us one thing i think Christians just need to be aware of is that there's a danger to jump to the end before doing the work in the middle. Like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to share the truth with people, but uh, if you're going to be an artist, you got to do the work to really seek after something that's, that's beautiful, right. Mm -hmm. And do the work in making it as beautiful as you can possibly can and and being vulnerable and following that inspiration and trusting that because of how connected the truth, goodness, and beauty are, uh, in the character of God, that the end product will um, be able to reach and touch people. Because there's, a, I think there's a danger to be like, uh, if we're going to start with the truth of what we're trying to tell people, then the beauty is yeah. diminished along the way. And that's what people yeah. react to. It's like, oh, this, it just, even though this is a movie, it kind of feels like a sermon. And yeah. we want a movie to feel like a movie. And the way to do that is to focus on it being the best movie it could possibly be, you know? Yeah, that's 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 a good word. Yeah, because some I think oftentimes we go into whatever art it is, music, same way, uh, movies, books, and we have the intention of making a great book. But then we are so motivated or so turned to say that, like, oh, I got to make sure they hear this message. Then the product begins to diminish in quality along the way, you know, because we sacrifice some of those things for that. And, and in reality, if the three things together are supposed to be in right. in uh, congruence together, then right. there shouldn't be any sacrifice involved. Right. And actually, it, it takes it's it's like being a Christian because it takes a remarkable amount, a remarkable amount of faith to be an artist. You have to have faith that the beauty of what you're going to create mm, and faith that the journey gonna you're going to take is yeah. and having 
that that it will display the truth right and so uh um in the end you just have to you have to tr- trust right and yeah remarkably like the the faith of it is because you said like uh if it's truly beautiful then it will display truth right you know it, it, it'll, it'll display goodness because that's what true beauty right. does Ooh, because when you think about yeah, it like yeah. that it makes you feel it's okay to focus on the beauty of something, and, and uh, I think that's yeah. I, I think there that's the is, thing man. about it is is we get scared. We like oh we can't just focus on the beauty. We'll lose everything else. But if we truly stay focused on the beauty, then in the end, those other aspects will be displayed as well. Oh, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, hey, absolutely. any kind of uh, reading or books or anything that we could uh, uh, that you can mention? Maybe we can check out to learn a little bit more about this. Yeah, if you if you want to check out just like a, an introduction to these kind of things and think a little bit more about it, there's a book called Echoes of Eden by Jerome Bars. Uh, his last name is B A R R S. Echoes of Eden, and it just is about how to how to train yourself to to notice these themes of the greatest story and all of the beauty that you see see around you. And uh, it's a short book, really great read, and I recommend it. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check that out then, man. Because uh, that's that's one of the things that's awesome, man. It's just seeing the Imago Day, the image of God and how he's creating things. And then we also do those creating things as well. And uh, that's one thing I know that our audience wants to, to know is like how we can see the beauty of God and everything and respond to it because it's there. It's definitely right. there. Man. Uh, you got any places like, uh, you, you, what'd you call it, like uh, the handles, YouTubes, uh, uh, Instagrams or anything that you want to give out? Oh yeah, you can follow me on Twitter if you want, T. Seberhagen. But you know, I never tweet unless I have an article coming out or something. But you know, if you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on there. Okay, for so, for so. Well, I appreciate you again for uh, coming on and talking about this stuff with us, man. And uh, I appreciate you so much. And and uh, God bless you as yeah, you go thanks, back Paul. to uh, a lot of you go back to Belgium and do some 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 amazing work over there, man. That's so dope. <laughs>